Hello. Hello. Welcome. How is everybody doing today? Thank you so much for joining. My name is Dino, aka That Boy Dino. We are here to talk about a little something. We've got episode two of the Hot Takes podcast, uh, and we are streaming live on Twitch to some viewers. We're going to have a good time. I'm just going to be talking about one thing and one thing in particular. And that thing is why competitive Smash will never be successful. Without much further ado, let's get into it and check this out. So guys, here's a little something about me. Uh, I play Smash competitively. Yes, I consider myself a mad gamer. Uh, but I've got something to tell you. Unfortunately, competitive Smash as a whole, will never be a competitive scene that actually is successful. You might be thinking, Dino, oh my gosh, why would you say that? Well, I, I believe I've got some uh, opinions, I've got some experience that gives me some credibility into this. So, for those of you who don't know yet, all of this uh, came from over four or five years of me considering myself a part of the Smash Bros. community. Now, something that I did is I I want you to also to know, if you're watching this, I want you to hop in my Discord. If you're listening to this, I want you to hop in my Discord. It'll be in the description below of whatever you're listening to this on. Or if you're watching this, because in my Discord, we will be giving you options on what topic I should talk about. Uh, and so what I did for this most recent podcast was I gave three options and I gave everybody an option and a chance to vote for which one they wanted to hear about. So if you want to be able to vote on the next option for this podcast, you can check the Discord, which is in the link in the description below. If you're watching on chat right now, there's a link somewhere. You can probably find it, okay? That being said, let's get right into the topic of conversation. But before I talk about why Smash will never be successful, I've got to give you what's called... A recap. So, Smash Bros. If you're watching this, you have no idea what Smash Bros. is at all. Here's a here's the history. It started out in 1999. Masahiro Sakurai created a party game for people where you can play as your favorite Nintendo character and beat up each other. You can beat up each other and your friends, and you can play with them and win. And it was for the Nintendo 64. And it was super successful. Everyone loved it. It was such a fun game. I remember playing it as a kid. And so what Nintendo said was Nintendo went up to Masahiro Sakurai and said, Hey, we're going to be launching a new system, the GameCube. Ooh, We're going to be launching the GameCube in like a year. Do you think you can create another Super Smash Bros. for the GameCube to launch with this game? And Masahiro Sakurai... Uh, as the man he is, he said, absolutely, Arigato Sensei. So, him and his team essentially did a rush job and completed a game that should have taken at least two years, and they did it in 11 months. Now, it's widely known that they almost killed themselves doing this, but this, this is important. You might be thinking, Dino, why is this important? Because what it led to was it led to game the GameCube's version of Super Smash Bros. known as Super Smash Bros. 
Melee. Now, Super Smash Bros. Melee is important because it was the very beginning of uh, what you would call the Super Smash Bros. competitive scene. Um, basically, the competitive scene started because, of course, one person wanted to be better than the other person, and they wanted to prove themselves to each other. So what did they do? They created a tournament, they put it all together, and they had a tournament. And what ended up happening is with this competitive scene, it caused people to start trying to figure out how to be better. What, you know, how can I be faster? How can I be quicker? How can I do things stronger? And what this led to was it led to them discovering certain parts of the game that uh, was honestly an accident that was left in, but it helped speed up the game tremendously. Things like wave dashing, L canceling, wave landing, all these things became possible and the game just took off. The competitive scene just became this unstoppable grassroots force of people playing this game that they really like. And what ended up happening through that is MLG, Major League Gaming, shoutouts, ended up picking it up for a pro circuit and the scene became very successful. Now, fast forward a couple more years, MLG dropped them. And Smash went back into the grassroots scene. Very sad. However, um, something, a few other things happened. Is Nintendo started noticing people were playing this game competitively. And there's a few different options. You know, you can support that. Or you can uh, try and shut it down. So what they did was when they came out with the new game, they pretty much fixed Super Smash Bros., they got rid of anything that would make it competitive, like the wave landing, the L canceling, all those things. They slowed the game down tremendously um, and caused almost a rupture in the scene of people trying to make this new game competitive and people clinging to the old ways of Melee. Now, the Smash scene was at, like kind of just barely surviving. Some people still played. You know, it wasn't. It never really got out of the grassroots scene. There's still a lot of people playing some people were still big brawl fans you know i'm not gonna hate on that game because i never played it competitively i actually loved that game me and my brother and all of my friends we always used to play that game and we had an absolute blast no hate but actually what uh ended up happening was a couple years later they released a new version of smash bros in 2016 they released uh or was it i believe it was 2014 they released super smash brothers for the wii u Right after making Super Smash Brothers for the 3DS. Now, this game was a new a new iteration of the game. And they had sped up the game a little bit. They had gotten rid of some of the things that made Brawl a little annoying. Like tripping and kind of the RNG in it. And they made this new game. And it was so much fun. And that's where I come in. I joined the Super Smash Bros. scene competitively after this game. And doing one other thing. There are two things in my life that radically changed me as a human being forever after consuming them. One is the Bible. After reading the Bible, you know, I've never never been the same. That's um, where I base my philosophy, my theology, how I look at life. That all comes from the Bible. The second thing that absolutely changed my life after consuming it was the Smash Bros documentary. Now, you might be thinking, Dino, are you serious, dude? <laughs> This is a, Smash, a documentary about Super Smash Bros. Yes, I know. And not to mention, 
It's four hours long. I remember the exact moment in time in which I found this documentary. It was a Saturday night in my apartment in Athens. I was home alone for the weekend. I literally had nothing going on. I was trying to look up some new ways to grow myself and by playing Smash. And I just found this video that said Smash Bros documentary. So I was like, you know what? I'll watch a little bit of it because it seems interesting. But it's four hours long. There's no way I'm going to watch this. I ended up watching it. I, I watched it for an hour. I immediately closed my computer, drove to Little Caesars, bought a $5 hot and ready pizza, drove right back home, and watched the rest of this documentary. It was awesome. So, uh, shout outs to It's Bear Trap, a fellow Christ follower. So is uh, Hot Lettuce TV, if he's in here still, giving him a follow. Um, but yeah, so that's how I found Smash Bros. Documentary. Changed my life forever, because after that I started finding more tournaments. I actually hosted a tournament because I had no idea how to find one. Had no, had, had no idea how to find these, so I just hosted one in my apartment. It kind of got circulating a little bit, and I even had just random people from Tennessee show up. That was nuts. Random people from Tennessee drove down to my tournament to play. I had no experience hosting a tournament. had no idea what I was doing. But it was amazing. Anyways, that's where I come into play. Was I started competing in 2015. Um, 2016, 2017 were kind of the big big years for me. And I've been, I've been in the scene ever since. Whether just like casually, still trying to compete every once in a while. Um, the, the scene kind of peaked, I feel like in 2017, the summer of 2017 was just an incredible season of time. I remember it being Momocon in Atlanta, people from Atlanta came down, uh, people from Japan came, it was just people from all over the world enjoying this tournament. It was just an unreal experience. So I think 2017 is where I feel like smash four peaked after that, it kind of you know, slowed down a little bit, at least in Georgia. That's where I, how I felt it was happening. And, uh, kind of slowed down until 2018 when they announced a new Smash Bros game. The game you're seeing us play right here, Smash Bros Ultimate. Now, when you hear the words ultimate, you think, oh my gosh, like, it's gotta be just like nothing crazy. But everyone was so confused because they we were like, you know, this game hasn't even matured Smash 4. You know, it's not fully ready. Maybe it's just a port because we knew the Switch was coming out. Maybe it's just going to be a port of Wii U into, you know, the Switch. That way we don't have to use the Wii U anymore. But we ended up finding that it was a brand new game and everything changed after that. You know, they implemented directional air dodging again. They made it quicker, made it more amazing by bringing back every single character every single stage that's ever existed and then adding more characters and creating 12 new dlc characters and even more room for more dlc characters it's incredible so tournaments started thriving again you know scenes blew back up and then all of a sudden in 2020 of march covid struck its fateful claws and dug it in to the game and said no more in-person gatherings and tournaments stopped you know 
scenes everywhere shut down. No more in-person gatherings. We don't want anybody doing anything other than playing online. Now, for those of you who do play online, you know how frustrating this can be. Input lag is ridiculous. It often changes how you end up playing the game. And it's just hard. So it's been tough. The tournament scene, you know, they've done some online tournaments, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. And then I have to include this, guys. Two or three months into COVID, some players and other people in the Smash community started coming forward. Some people saying that they were, uh, for lack of better words, uh, physically abused by other players. People started saying they were taken advantage of, um, manipulated, groomed into um, doing things with older people that were way too old to be doing those things. You can definitely find out more info. I might make another video on it later if that's what people want to hear. But for right now, for lack of better terms, it ended up causing this huge shift in which all of the top players that everyone looked to, all the content creators, all the people who were leading this scene were just gone. Because, you know, they ended up getting canceled, obviously. And they had to just stay silent. They dropped their YouTube accounts. They... You know, they don't stream on Twitch anymore. Their sponsorships are gone. They don't go to tournaments. And they're all just kind of working on themselves. So, in that moment, the scene became just empty. It was just a few people who are still around, who are still pretty solid, like Tweak, like MKLeo, um, Fatality. Lots of really good players still around, but... There was a huge gap, a huge hole that was missing. And that leads us to today, January 1st, 2021, where Dino Favara, me, that boy Dino, is going to talk to you about why competitive Smash Bros. will never be successful. Now, you might be wondering, Dino, why did you have to explain all this to me? Well, it's a very special reason because you need to know the history before you can know the future, Right. By judging on where it's been, you can tell on where it's going. So, this is my this is my professional opinion, okay? But there's a few reasons. I, I'm going to say two, because they're all that come to mind after yesterday. I had mentioned three, uh, but I can't, I honestly, for the can't, can't remember what I had originally said. So, we're going to start with two. Um, the first up... <clears throat> First off, I need to, before I go any further, before I even talk about successful, right? Because that's the whole title of this, right? Is, is Smash Bros. competitively going to ever be successful? The answer is no. But in order to do that, we have to define success. Now, I'm not going to be that guy that just goes to the dictionary and tries to define success. Instead... I just tried to define what success would be in esports. And it's it's different than just normal success, okay? So I wrote down uh, a few things. I basically look at, if I were to look at any successful esport, there's a few that come to mind. There's League of Legends. There's Dota 2. There's, and I think this is the example I'm going to go after, is Street Fighter, right? 
a, it's another fighting game, uh, an OG fighting game, Street Fighter, which has lots of uh, lots of history. It's probably the closest to mechanics of Smash than any other fighting game. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it's just got similar communities as well. So, if we look at if we look at Street Fighter, I would say Street Fighter is a successful fighting game community. Hard stop. It's successful. Why? A few reasons. I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, Street Fighter was literally played online on ESPN, on like live television. They played Street Fighter. That is success, right? It's And what that means is it's mainstream. And now, have we seen it recently? Not as much. But at one point, and in general, Street Fighter is mainstream, which means that it's cool, it's normal, and for anything to become successful, it's got to be mainstream in a sense. You know, you, you can argue otherwise, but if you want... Huge nationwide success. You have to be mainstream. <clears throat> Another reason I think Street Fighter is successful is if you look at just the amount of money Street Fighter players can make. Um, not just make, but... <coughs> I'm sorry. But live off of. Street Fighter players can live solely off of tournament winnings. That's... Like, that's true. They can live off of their tournament winnings if they're good enough. They don't need anything else. Just to win one tournament could set them technically for a whole year. Some of these tournament winnings are enough for someone's actual annual salary. And it's crazy. So, that's success. To have players who can successfully live off of tournament money and for it to be mainstream. Okay, that's my that's my version of success. So let's look at um, uh, let's look at how a game gets there, right? First off, it's got to have support from the creator or the co main company that made the game. If you look at Street Fighter, Capcom is actively doing so many things to try and make sure. That Street Fighter is a success, right? Because if the game is a success, then so is the company, right? They understand that a huge part of their audience is a competitive scene. So they do everything they can to make sure that competitive scene is successful. So that way their game is successful. That way they are successful. It all lines up. They give financial support. They give competitive support. They're always trying to make things more competitive. They give financial support by literally putting in money into tournaments. Um, they, they literally add money into a prize pool of tournaments so that way characters, so that way players uh, have a more of a chance of winning real money from this, not just a few hundred dollars. And the last thing is a company has to encourage the competitive game. They have to encourage and help the competitive play on a big stage. For example, Capcom, when ESPN said, hey, you should live stream our game on live television for Evo, 
Capcom said, yeah, you can do that. We would love for you to stream our game live to thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. Unfortunately, Nintendo is not in that same mindset. Nintendo has a huge record of keeping people, corporations, organizations, from streaming Smash Bros. Ultimate, Smash Bros. Melee, nationwide to people online. There's been so many, so, so many uh, times in which people have tried to live stream this game, and it's been shut down. Run, one of those recently just happened literally this year and it's it's very sad um people were finding out a way to live stream melee online so they were using netplay or a dolphin emulator and nintendo found out about it and nintendo shut it down they said you cannot stream a emulated version of our game and so what ended up happening is multiple tournaments that were supposed to go online this year now can't even do they they can't go online because Nintendo has shut it down. So right now there's actually a huge movement going on called hashtag free melee, where they're trying to basically, I mean, protest about this idea that you can't stream a game that's been alive for 20 years. It's a 20 year old game, 21 years old, and they're still trying to control it. It's crazy. So anyways, so there's that Nintendo has a lot of history of shutting down. Um, Nintendo has a large history of shutting down the live streaming of its game. Next up, I want to talk about uh, the financial support. I have two examples that I want us to look at. These are huge examples. In 2016, right? Let's go back in time. Close your eyes and go back to 2016. This is a time period in which Smash... Smash for the Wii U, Melee, they were on such a good, momentous pass. They were doing so well. Both scenes were just very successful. Lots of momentum for both. There was a tournament in Orlando called CEO, um, which stands for, I'm pretty sure, Community Events Orlando. Um, I honestly can't remember. I'm really sorry. But it was CEO 2016. And I remember something happening. I watched the whole tournament pretty much from start to finish on Twitch. And it was a really good tournament. One of the biggest reasons was because the top players had gotten knocked out. So the top two players for Smash Wii U, um, the top two uh, finalists were two players who no one had really watched much of and were getting some good recognition. So it was really, really cool. It was Anti and Zenodo. What an entertaining match. But here's here's the thing. Is after the match was over, Anti won in Melee, Hungry Box won in Melee. After the match was over, they divvied out the prize money. And you know what happened? Guess, I want you to guess in chat, chat, all of you are watching, I want you to guess how much money first place in Smash 4 got. I just want you to guess. Um I want you to type in a number between one and a million. 
of how much you think was the prize winnings for first place at CEO. One of the biggest tournaments of the year, the biggest tournaments of the year. I want you to guess how much money grand prize won. Let's see. 10K. Great, great, great guess. 50K for first place of Smash 4. 50K guess. I'm going to give it five more seconds for someone else to guess here. Maybe I'll check on our YouTube. Um, those are great. So here's, here's the answer. The winner. Literally, guys, think about this. The person who won the tournament got $5,000. $5,000. You can barely buy a car with that money. The amount of... I've only ever gone like three and two at a major. And the amount of emotional stress that weighed on me. <laughs> the amount of time it took me to even get there. The money I spent to travel to that major. The things I missed on purpose so that way I could go to that major. The work I put in just to go 3-2 at a major was tremendous. Now, I want you to think about that for these professional players. I can only imagine it would be much worse, much more intense for them. And they win $5,000. Now, there was no prize pool added. No one's fault there. There was just no, no additional prize pool money. Melee had $4,000. So not that much. Now, let's look over at Street Fighter V. Street Fighter V was being played. And uh, I want you to guess how much money they got. Now, it's not. I don't want you to go crazy. But just think about this. For $5,000, how much money did a Street Fighter first place grand prize win? I want you to guess. I'm going to give you some time. I'll give you a hint, too. Capcom itself, the company, had given $15,000 as a prize pool bonus. So Capcom put in their own money of $15,000. Now I want you to guess. What did the first prize winner win? First place prize winner get? 60K. Good guess, Brennan. Good guess. 60K is uh, Brennan's. 40K is his second guess. Another good guess. 25K. It's close. Closer, at least. The answer is this. The answer is simple. The answer was 12K. Now, you might be thinking, Dino, that's not that much compared, you know, that's really, you know, if we're talking here, that doesn't make sense. Whatever. Now I get it, but think about this. That's more than double the amount of Smash Bros. Um, the amount of Smash Bros. first place winner got. More than double. Absolutely crazy. $12,000. That's like 80% of the pop bonus. Of course, there was other entrants and everything that added to that, but um, $12,000. Then let's look at Evo 2016. Within the same summer... The same summer, 2016 Evo, the biggest fighting game championship in the entire world. This is where everyone goes to, Evo in Las Vegas. This is the big one, the big kahuna. Smash 4 winnings for first place was $15,000. Now, you might be thinking, Dino, 
I mean, this is awesome. 15,000 compared to five? No way. Like, yeah, of course, that's going to be, that's way better, right? But now I want you to guess the Street Fighter V amount. I want you, I want you to think about, thank you, Brendan, for uh, deleting my bots here. I want you to think about how much Street Fighter V made at Evo. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to, not going to make you wait that long. Keep in mind, Smash got $15,000. The Street Fighter first place grand prize was $50,000. Five zero. That is someone's annual salary that they just won by playing a video game. They won it by literally beating everybody in the world, adding so much stress and hype and whatever to themselves so they can win $50,000. Now, on top of that, Capcom had donated $50,000, ironically, as the pop bonus. So there's a lot more money that was handed out. But Capcom gave 50K, 50 Gs of their money for the community. So with all that in mind, let's think about this. How much money has Nintendo donated to a tournament? The answer is simple. A lot of you could probably guess. The answer is one big fat whopping zero. You might even be thinking, Dino, but wait. A few years ago, when the new game came out, they created the Nintendo Tournament Series. You know, They created this tournament series for us Smash players to come and, and to play against each other. Yes, that's all nice and dandy. But what did we win? Some trophies? No. I mean, that's, I mean, that was it. Yeah, they just won trophies. They didn't win any money. They hardly won any money. So, Nintendo, especially right now, especially with the leadership at Nintendo, with the rate we're going, we will never receive financial or competitive support from Nintendo as a company. N no way will we receive the same support that um, Street Fighter V is going to give you. So with that being said, that is number one why Smash Bros. as a game will not be successful. The only caveat is uh, I want you to think about the game's developer, Masahiro Sakurai. Our relationship with the developer has been weird because with Melee, he definitely, uh, he definitely tried to get rid of some of the competitive aspects of Melee with Brawl. It was very obvious. So a lot of people weren't happy with that. However, since, since Smash Bros. Wii U, Smash 4 for, for short, Masahiro Sakurai has been nothing but supportive of the competitive scene, right? He's made characters for us to play as. He's been very obvious and uh, apparent with giving us updates on different patches, you know, very obvious updates. That way we don't have to try and find it out all on our own. He has uh, joked about frame data in our announcements of new characters. Um, he's done a lot to encourage us and to help us play this game and have more fun, which is a beautiful thing. Now, that's a lot, but that's, you know, that's a... 
that is number one reason why Smash Bros. will never be a comp- successful competitive game. The second, the second thing is uh, is a little bit rough. I don't know if some people want to hear this, okay? But the second one, basically, for a game competitive scene to be successful, successful, right? You need to have a certain type of community. Your community needs to be supportive. It needs to be a group effort. And it needs to have people who go above and beyond and take care of each other, right? Now, this, uh, I'll say this. Some games can get by without, um, Without a, a healthy scene, right? Without a healthy community. I'm thinking of, like, League of Legends. Obviously one of the most toxic communities in existence. But you know what it does have? Is it has developer money. It's got community game money of people donating to make sure the game is a success. So, that's why I play games like League of Legends. If you don't have financial support from the game creator you need to have a community that is just out of this world and i'm gonna say it right now smash bros does not have that it doesn't smash bros um has a really good community you know it's a good group of people i've met some really genuinely genuinely nice and good people through smash bros in fact uh, I've traveled the world and traveled the U.S. and I've met some really good people. You know, I've even met some really good people within my very state. But the sad thing is, there are two types of people that are in the Smash Bros. community. There are, like I said, genuinely nice people, and there are, I'm gonna call them, for lack of better words. I'm going to call them gamers, okay? Is that Christian Wilson? Um, so there's gamers, right? So let's talk about the good people, right? We want more of these people. The genuinely good people are the ones who are going to go out of their way for you. They're going to open up their house for you. They're going to always go out of the way to make sure you get to a tournament. They're going to pick you up if you need a ride. They might cover your cover charge if you want to enter the tournament but don't have enough money. They're the people that you go to the tournament to, you sit next to them, and they laugh with you, they joke with you, and they give you tips. Nothing is off limits for them. There is a lot of people like that in the Smash community. I've met some really good people. In fact, I have a specific example of when I went to um, I went to Italy. I got really lucky and got to go to Europe one summer. And something that I did was I knew I was going to be traveling to Italy. So during my trip, before I got there, I found the Smash Bros, it, it, the Italian Smash Bros Facebook group. And I reached out and I said, hey, guys, I'm from America. I'm sorry I don't speak Italian, um, but I'm going to be in Venice during these dates is there a tournament during this time? They directed me to the proper Facebook group channel. 
And they ended up saying, hey, yeah, we actually will have a tournament at this location at this time when you arrive. Super, super cool. So I said, awesome. See you then. Two weeks pass by. I finally get there. And I walk into this random card shop in the middle of uh, mainland Venice. And it I'm not kidding, guys. It was almost as if I was a... Uh, it was almost as if I was a celebrity. I walk in. I said, hello, ciao. And they all said, Americano. Ciao, ciao, come in. And so they started talking to me. And they were just super nice. All of them spoke English for me. They uh, they didn't have to, but they chose to speak English. Um, I got to hang out with them. I played with them in the tournament. They all wanted to play me and see how good I was. And after the tournament was over... One of the guys, Arigo, if you're watching this, shout outs to Arigo. Uh, he said, hey, man, I live on on the island of Venice. Do you want to come over? Uh, we'll go grab some food and then we can play Smash back in my place. I said, absolutely. So the rest of the night, I got the coolest experience of just getting to go to walk around the island of Venice with a local he showed me all the little tricks, all the little secret passageways. He even um, took me back to his apartment. We just all, me and one of his other friends, we played Smash the whole time. And it was so, so much fun. And he even said, he was like, man, if you didn't have a, uh, if you hadn't already gotten an Airbnb, you could have just stayed with me at my apartment. Offering me a place to stay. So, so cool. Now, that is an amazing and perfect example of a good person. And like I said, there's plenty of those. But there's also some gamers. And unfortunately, a lot of gamers are very quick to have some habits. They're quick to be a little judgmental. They care more about games, the game, and being better at it than you. That they don't stop to think and remember that you're a human being. Uh, and that's where a lot of toxic conversations come from. Or these people who, um, they, they, might, they might be competitive. You know, they might say some things. But um, it, comes, it doesn't come from something of having fun and playing with each other. But it actually comes from wanting to be better than you. They also suffer from something called groupthink. Now, groupthink is when everyone thinks a certain way. And so in order to stay cool, you have to think that way too. And so what these gamers will do is as soon as something becomes mainstream, it's hopped on immediately. And... Uh, it's hopped on immediately, and they don't budge, even if it means ostracizing someone else. Something else that happens, and this is not really just this is not really with gamers. This is more so with the world. This is more so with human beings right now. Mainstream uh, people as a whole. This is this is a problem that mainstream people have, and that problem is I'm just gonna call it false love. Right? False inclusion. Because what is something that you hear a lot of right now? 
I stand with you in solidarity. Hey, everyone's welcome, right? There is no, like we cannot allow you to, you know, no bigots here, no, no homophobic slurs. Everyone is uh, welcome here. All right, that's great. That's awesome. I actually am. I agree a hundred percent with that. But there's something that happens, at least with people nowadays, is they say, uh, listen, we are a big fan of love and inclusion, but if you're not nice person, I hate you. If I disagree with you in any way, shape, or form, if you have an opinion that I don't like, you actually are a bigoted racist and I don't like you. And that's... That's how people act right now, and it's it's true. Uh, unfortunately, it's a type of person that is actually a little bit toxic and ironically preaches the complete opposite of what they do. They say to be inclusive. They say we have to make sure we love everybody, but the second someone actually tries to talk with them, uh, we kick them out and we... You know, we reject them. We ban them. We'll literally ban them. An example of this uh, was when an awful thing happened back in May. I already mentioned it, where a lot of smashers essentially had some top player privilege and they started treating girls in a way that was not good. They started doing some things that they shouldn't be doing. And. I am in no way condoning this behavior at all. No way. No way am I not. I'm not condoning that at all. What actually I'm, I'm actually trying to say how we handled it is the behavior I'm trying to condone. Because what we did was we immediately banned and shut off and we canceled these people immediately. Without even thinking about it, we heard, oh, this person did something bad. They're done. We don't want to hear from him. You sick, twisted, evil human being. How dare you? And here's the problem with that. What is, what comes from that? Those people possibly might, they might leave, you know, because they were harassing someone or they were doing something, you know, inappropriate with other people that didn't want those things. Um, but if we ban them, where do they go? They go and do that somewhere else. They're not going to stop what they're doing. They're just going to go do it somewhere else. And the problem is going to persist. So what I'm saying is we don't need to accept these people. We need to care for these people, right? Because luckily, luckily, all these people who did these bad things all know they did a bad thing. They all came out and apologized. I'm not saying we should ex let them go right back to doing what they normally do. But in fact, what I'm saying is let's not shun them for doing something like that. And instead, let's try and coach them through it. Let's like actually come alongside those people and try and help them get better. Right. Because we're not doing that. And unfortunately, how the smash scene handled um, that whole process revealed to me that smash the smash community as a whole is not ready uh to carry the weight of successful competitive smash on their own shoulders they're just not 
They're not ready to handle it, and they're not ready to care about other people and do it and get it done. Because when it when it comes to success, they only want they only want to win if it's good for them. They don't want to try and do hard work for other people. Um, so that's my hot take. That is, I know it was long. Thanks for sticking around. I have no idea how long this was. But that is why competitive Smash will never be successful. The scene is not ready to handle the weight of responsibility of caring for other people. Nor is the company of Nintendo going to be willing or ready at any time to financially support this competitive scene. That's my hot take. If you thought it was a good one, if you agree, if you disagreed, I want to hear your opinion. Be sure to drop a comment on this video, on this podcast, what you thought about it. If you'd like to hear more about it, if you'd like to share your own opinion or get to vote for the next hot take, you can join my Discord by clicking the link in the description below. And you can also get a chance to get a first look at, uh, at our next hot take. So that being said, that's our hot take. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, I'm going to shut down this arena after this game. I've had so much fun with you guys. I hope you enjoyed. And until next time, peace.